The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The ACT Brumbies have drawn level with the Chiefs to stop the top Super Rugby Pacific. And the Stormers have suffered their first loss at home in 18 months. Your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Great to have Jamie Wall back on the pod last week. I uh, love getting that New Zealand perspective on so many things in Super Rugby and international rugby that affect us all a bit different here in Australia. And that's for me, obviously, because joining me this and every week is the man balling Western Province tears all the way away in Texas. Harry Jones, hello, mate. How you going? How's it, Brett? Yeah, it was a it was a dismal weekend, and then to top it off, Jacques Minabar announces um, he's that he's moving to, up. To it's Leinster. like a promotion to go to Leinster. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yes. So the Stormers is it that that's their first loss in Cape Town? Is it at Newlands since December twenty one? December twenty twenty one. No, they're playing in a different stadium, so it's a oh, little bit crossways. Yes. And yeah. in a way, the new stadium doesn't really feature. Uh, it doesn't. It's not a good scrumming stadium. It's um, the turf comes up. It's a bit sandy. Uh, so in yeah. some ways, they gave. They're up like the football their, stadium on Saturday night. Yeah, it's a crucial difference. Uh, Newlands was a really good scrumming stadium, so yeah, you know, yeah. I think that was part of it. No, but uh, you know, I think it was a great match. Actually, it was just a matter of missing your kicks. Uh, Money yeah. Lebok's been good all season. He missed his kicks. They lose. Yeah, and Munster fine form just at the right time, don't they? So we'll get into mm-hmm. some URC talk a little bit later. The new segment has survived, mate. Heroes and zeros. I'm going to lead off with some heroes for you. And what I have for you is the milestone men. You ready for all this? Yes. On Saturday afternoon, Hurricanes, Hurricanes hooker Dane Coles became the latest Kiwi to play 300 first-class games. Uh, and that includes 80-odd tests for uh, for the All Blacks, obviously, and about 140-odd games for the Hurricanes. That same night, Angus Gardner becomes the first Australian referee to crack 100 Super Rugby games in the Waratahs' uh, 36-16 win over the Western Force. Leicester and England prop Dane Cole on Sunday started his 363rd match for all teams on the tight head side of the scrum. So that was in in uh, in the Tigers' 62-19 win over Exeter in the Premiership. So only John Arfour has started more games at tight head. It's about 370-odd. Um, and, De- and Dan Cole has started another half a dozen or so at loosehead. So it's... It's not all it's not it's not all games. That's just in the number three shirt. In the same game, Chris Ashton becomes the first player to bring up a century of tries in the premiership. Scored his <laughs> this is fantastic. He scored his 99th try in the 43rd minute. Had his milestone denied by a foot into touch a few minutes later in what became a penalty try and a red card to, to exit a winger Ollie Woodburn. He scored his hunt try in the 50th minute and jumped the barricade into the stands to, to lead the ovation for his milestone and then finished the game in the 70th minute with uh, with his third try for the game and try number 101. And Danny Kerr, in the same game, plays his 300th game for Leicester. Hell of a day of celebrations at Wilford. Oh, man. I'm exhausted by your heroes. <coughs> I always so wanted, beat uh, that. Let's, let me hear your zeros. I, I, I always wanted Dan Cole and Dane Cole to scrum together and just to I'm see sure if something, something strange happened, which is, leads me to my zero, which is the yep. um, All Blacks and All Tans, the Black and Tans, the All Blacks. <laughs> they lost so much. They lost 
in they lost in oh. history, time, space. Yeah. They were even beaten on the internet by Rob Carney, the handsomest <laughs> rugby player in the world. So they were. Yeah, I think it's really I, sad, but you wake up and you realize you got beaten by everyone. <laughs> I did wonder how black and tans would come up this week. So <laughs> right. well done to you. Well done. Another to zero you. I would say is whoever thought it was really important to tarnish, you know, one of our big moments in rugby, which is the World Cup. And I know there's a big debate, is it too big? Are we too much into the World Cup? But surely releasing the Jockney Navars joining uh Leinster could have waited a little bit um I don't know what all happened yeah. behind the scenes and maybe it was pushed by the by the, by the man himself yeah but it just maybe. felt a little bit strange when you have a reigning champion try to repeat very mm. unusual and then you know you have to put it out there but I don't know well I saw the news from the Leinster socials before the yeah. Springbok socials so yeah, yeah it was it was a bit weird it was a bit weird Anyway, mate, on to this week's guest, and it is going to be wonderful to welcome one of the genuine stars of Australian rugby currently flying the flag over in the UK. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To the Pods London studio, we return for the first time in 2023 from where we offer a warm welcome to New South Wales Waratahs and Wallaroos fly half, currently starring for Harlequins in the Women's Premiership in England, making her debut on the Raw Rugby Podcast it's a very welcome to Arabella McKenzie. Hello, how are you going? Hi, hey guys, thanks for having me. No, no problems at all. No problem at all. Great to have you all. We've been sort of swapping messages for well, a couple of months now, isn't it? So it's been yeah, yeah, it's been months. great to yeah, see you yeah, playing so DMs. well over there. How are you enjoying it? You loving it over there? Yeah, yeah, I'm loving it. It's a really great experience, and um, yeah, one I will cherish forever. I think just yeah. being over here, learning a new style of footy, and. Um, I think it's invaluable for me and my career um, personally. So, yeah, yeah it's no been doubt. been great fun. No doubt. We start uh, the same place every week um, and our conversations always flow from there. And that is simply to say what stood out for you on the weekend? What did you take in in the rugby world? What stood out for you? What did you see? Um, I think the Super W match between the Reds and Moritars. Yeah. Um, I kind of watched the replay that morning because I didn't want to get up at 6 a.m., but yeah, watching it back, I thought it was um, one of the better games that super, uh, like a better Super W game that I've seen. And with the score going back and forth, yeah, it was a really great contest. But obviously, winners win. So Waratahs came out on top. Yeah, they do. They, look, there's been some ripping games in Super W. I caught the the last 20 minutes of the Brumbies Rebels game in Canberra on Friday night, yeah. and that was a fantastic contest as well. And uh, there's a couple of really important games coming up with you know. Uh, Brumbies and Western Force and and the Fijiana women, I think, are all only within a few points of each other. So it's it's really good to see. Harry, what did you see? What's today for you on the weekend? I just like the way Harry Wilson scores sometimes. I like I like the <laughs> the movie he has where he goes on his back and then he scores over his head. Yeah. Uh, I yeah. like that move. I think he's got interesting ways of scoring tries. I would like to put together a compilation of Harry Wilson's tries. <laughs> Yeah, there could be something in that. Look, my my very clear highlight for the weekend is just Samoa. It was so good to see Super Rugby back in Apia on the weekend, but this time it was a team for the islands playing in the islands um, and the connection between crowd and team on the field, it was it was every bit as special as, as we thought it probably would be and we've seen that sort of thing in Fiji already, but it was just so good to see it um, in in, in, in Samoa, and we've had a bit to do with Moana Pacifica as well. So it was just, it was great to see them home again, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's incredible. You know, we, we've talked about making the Pacific real in the Super Rugby Pacific. Yeah. And it's really important, I think, to make that more than just window dressing 
or um, you know a catchy slogan. But um, for so long, that's just been taken for granted. That whole region is such an important mm. part of rugby, and I just think it's wonderful to see the locals actually have their team come on the field and go go crazy. Yeah. And I also think the the level of volume per person of the fan whether it's in Fiji or in Samoa is unbelievable. Yeah. The whole <laughs> yeah, the noise world should take something from that and just say, yeah. be like that. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, it was, it was, it was great to see. It was great to see. Look, Arabella, it's, I've been, since we first got in touch there a few weeks ago, um, uh, the thing I've been thinking about the whole time is just how do you try and describe your experience playing over there in, in England? Like for a, for a young player building up through your career, I mean, you must be just you must be just taking metaphorical rugby notes every day. Yeah, it has been. Um, yeah, really, really interesting. I kind of did a season um, over in New Zealand. I did the OPEC the first season over there, so I am used to being away from home and learning new styles of footy. But the Kiwi style is pretty similar to Oz. Like they like to play fast and attacking, but um, over here it's definitely like set piece heavy and. Um, with with things like that, we do a lot of set piece throughout the week at training and not much attack. So come game time, I think I'm like ready and roaring to go and attack, which is which is good. But um, yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, it's different, but not too different. The girls and like the rugby's like all the same, but um, yeah, just being in a new environment and learning from like such class players like Amy Cocaine and yeah, um, the likes of like Emily Scott who was a who was a Red Rose and. Yeah, just little things from them that that I can hopefully pick up and take back to Oz with me. It's it, it, it'd be a completely different style of game management, I can imagine, to what you're used to playing in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, definitely a lot of box kicking and um, yeah. like not not kicking out, not like exiting. So because you don't want to give the other team set piece because everyone's set piece yeah, is really right. strong. So so the ball is in play um, a lot of the time, and it isn't as fast as Australia, but it is. It's more physical, so it is like. Yeah, it's harder right. to get those breaks and those one-on-ones, um, I think, because every team defends so well because it is such a long competition. So you have, you know, 10 extra rounds over here than what you would in Super W. Yeah. So everyone gets really good cohesion and, and the games are, yeah, the games are tough and um, every game you play is losable or winnable. So, yeah. Mm. Was that a big part of the, of the of the move, the fact that you'd be going over there playing pretty well full-time for, well, six months basically, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Like I got over here in November and... Um, kind of had 10 days off from the World Cup and then straight back into rugby, which yeah, right. I think the body's kind of thankful now that, that I'm Australian and I'm not in the Six Nations um, window. So I've got <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a bit of, bit of time off to rest and, you know, get my body right for the back end of the season. And then How many teams into... in the Premiership are we talking? Talk, There's talk us through it. 10 teams, I think, or 12. Yeah. Yeah, so we play like 20 rounds home and away. Yeah, 10 teams. Yeah, so we right. play 20 rounds yeah. home and away and then a final series, which is... Yeah, it's pretty unbelievable and something that's I think every like young player should should aim for to get consistent footy in week in week out. Yeah, right. You played you played in a lot of comps already for your level of experience. I mean, the Tars, the Wallaroos, Super Rugby, um, I'm a, uh, the league with uh, Sydney Rabbitohs and the Harlequins. When you compare all these different leagues, uh, which one do you think is the toughest one week to week? Definitely this Prem 15s. It's semi-professional, so you yeah. get paid to play club rugby and the standard and the level of coaching you you get is, is similar to Oz, but the, you just have more time. So you have yeah. more time with the girls, more time with coaches, more one-to-ones and um, more meetings, more previews, more reviews. So the standard is, yeah, it's very high and the level of professionalism is 
yeah, it's it's definitely the best league in the world, I think, for for women mm. over here. Were you ever tempted to get into? I mean, are you tempted to go into the coaching side of things uh, uh, ultimately? Oh, look, definitely not. I've got the patience of a five-year-old, but um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I mellow out a bit when I get a bit older, but um, yeah, uh, I could not be a coach. I mean, what a tough gig. You're basically just a, a manager. I'd, I'd rather be like the attack coach or, or something like oh, yeah. that, kicking coach, but head coach, yeah, that's, that's not the one for me. <laughs> How did the move come about? Because there's a few... There's a few Australian girls there at Queens, aren't there? Yeah, there's three of us. So I was originally in talks with another um, English team. Mick Grace Hamilton and I were talking to them, and that kind of fell through. And then I slid into the Harley Quinn's DMs on Instagram because <laughs> I, yeah, I know I was saying the other day it's what I do best: sliding into DMs. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> but yeah. So I yeah, I always wanted to go overseas after the World Cup, and I originally wanted to go to like Japan or somewhere somewhere cool but um yeah obviously prem 15's best comp and i had yeah. seen like like a few americans were here from like when we versed um usa and canada and pack four last year i was kind of talking to um alev kelter and she just done a season at saracens yeah, so right. i did a bit of research and um saw harlequins and yeah thought that'd be a good fit so slid into the dms and here i am m chance and m chance also was talking to harlequins but we didn't realize and then I was going day, to say this. Yeah. So I knew I knew M Chancellor was over there as well. And yeah. I had heard second or third hand that the yeah. who, who's the who's the third girl? Caitlin. Caitlin Leaning. Caitlin, the, the yeah. lock. Yeah. The and is lock. it right that the three of you all did the deals without the other two knowing? Oh, and then you all yeah. went, guess what? I'm playing for Harlequins. And we went, oh, so am I. Yeah, that was Chance and I. We got to the airport. I think we were going to a pre-World Cup camp in the Gold Coast. And um, she'd known that she knew that I'd signed with her team, and I knew she signed with the team. And I kind of looked at her, and we like talked for a bit. And she was like, "Oh, I'm going to Harlequins." I was like, oh, "I'm going to Harlequins too." So <laughs> it was a bit, yeah, it was a bit um, funny like that. And then they actually got in touch with Chance and said they needed a lock, so we knew Caitlin oh, was right. going to come over from that. But yeah, Chance and I had no idea that we were both talking to Harlequins, which is kind of that's that's funny. Yeah, how funny. much how much talk had there been amongst the Wallaroos, particularly about looking at these sort uh, of opportunities? Yeah, there'd been a few. Like I'd sort of mentioned yeah. to a few of my close friends um, what I was planning on doing. And then, yeah, when it all got announced, I'd kind of let everyone know. But the, like Laurie Kramer's down at Exeter. Michaela Leonard yeah. was down at Exeter. Yeah. Annabelle Cody, the Reds lock, she did was at Loughborough for a bit. Um, yeah. But those two have got uh, – Mac and Annabelle have gone back to play Super W. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and they Grace, just, yeah, and Grace Hamilton's time back as well. She yeah, Grace was in France, France yeah, at yeah. Montpellier. Yeah. So, yeah, was she the... was over there. Was the Wallaroo strategy for you to do this, just to slide into the DMs? Was that actually what it was called? The <laughs> DM sliding I, strategy? I literally messaged the Harley Quinn's Instagram page and they gave me the one of the manager's emails. So, oh, yeah. so I, think, I think Chance went the traditional route, like through LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> you know, she's a bit older into those emails and stuff, but thought just easiest. What, like, seriously, how I don't know, without a manager or like a rugby manager, how yeah. would you get in touch with a team? So... It's a oh. it's a good point. You've yeah. just you, you're a you're a pioneer for for <laughs> pioneer. Rugby recruitment around the world now. <laughs> Do you just, just want to speak... get in touch with the team? Slide into the yeah. DMs. Speaking of sliding <laughs> into DMs, uh, a friend of mine who slid into my DMs, Jane from Lulara, uh, yeah. wanted me to ask you this question. So you and Tars prop Archer Holtz shared the yes. same birthday, yes. and played in the same under eights to under twelve teams, um, league teams in Lightning Ridge. So yeah. tell us more. Were you were you, in the, were you a forward playing with him? Was he better than you? Were you better than him? Who was, who was the best? 
Oh, he would say I was the best, but I'm going to say he was the best. Yeah. Archer is like, Looking yeah, after he's, yeah, he's my um, one of my best friends. You know, we grew up around the corner from each other in Lightning Ridge, and it's one of those families where you're just so close with um, no matter what. So I've obviously known him for 24 years now, um, but his family and my family are all super close. His his parents came to our grand final down in Melbourne against the Drua last year, which was which was unreal. So, yeah, very close yeah. family and um yeah he's such a good egg but yeah uh, he he was he's he was a big boy when he was eight but I was a big girl when I was eight too like I think yeah, I don't right. think I've grown right. since I was eight so I think there's videos of me I think there's videos of me in under 12s just like yeah swatting kids away like like the tallest oh, kid there it. by far which is yeah pretty funny. <laughs> now Harry for your for your benefit Lightning Ridge is a little opal mining town in northern New South Wales it's a population of what a couple Unknown. of hundred Bella the population's actually unknown, but I, I'd yeah, say it's right. about two thousand to three thousand. Yeah, right. And it's, so it's it's like it's Tiny. Op- opal mining. That's that's yeah. what it's known I mean, for. But did it? you know that? So Arabella, you are actually the most notable, famous native <laughs> of Lightning from Ridge. From Lightning Ridge. Oh because my! Paul, my mum's gonna Hogan, hate me. Paul Hogan yeah. tried to say he was from Lightning Ridge, but he wasn't. No, so he's not. When you look on Wikipedia, you actually there's a paragraph saying, but oh. in fact, the most notable, famous native is you. Do you know who the most notable person is? It's actually my mum, Rebecca McKenzie. She owns this company called The Easy Jack and it's everywhere on all the ads. She gets stopped in like the middle of Sydney being like, I've seen your ad on TV. So so she'll claim that she's the most famous thing. Yeah, but I don't know if she didn't slide into the DMs of the so. <laughs> Oh, she wouldn't even That's know how it. to work Instagram, bless her. So, <laughs> But I did Shout some out. research on Lightning Ridge and it's actually a very interesting yeah. town. But what I can it understand, is. it's very hot and very cold. Like the, yeah. the highest ever temp is 48.5 degrees. Yeah. That's got to be up there, no? That's like sit in the pool weather. You just, or sit inside in the air and do nothing. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. can see why I'm so lazy now, Brett. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I get that. I do get that now. I do and get so that do now. You, and and would, did you ever find a black opal just lying around? Or uh, my, my, dad's actually, my dad's actually an opal miner. So he, he, sold, he used to own like the tire shops in town. He sold them and said I'm sick of changing tires and he's a bit of a bit of a gypsy man so goes off and digs for his opal but he's found some nice rings like my mum's got a beautiful opal ring that that she wears and uh growing up was one of your your ambitions to be a redback I looked at the the league team was called a redback which might be because you're sunburned all the time (laughs) yeah lightning ridge redbacks it's actually a, a type of spider Oh, okay. it is. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, that was like the yeah. Our team was the Lightning Ridge Tigers. The open teams were the Redbacks. So, um, but funny enough, my the rugby club in Lightning Ridge used to be the Lightning Ridge Harlequins. So my dad has a rugby Ooh. jersey. Yeah, I didn't even put like two and two together. Like, oh, but my dad wow. has a rugby jersey that has like the famous quarters. Yeah, but it's the the Lightning Ridge Harlequins. So okay, Brett, he, he wears it to bed every night. Bless him. Oh, he should too, <laughs> mate. He, he, yeah, you need I'll, to get, I'll get that over there, send, don't you? Yeah, I'll get him to send me a photo of it. It's his beloved. Like, he literally wears it to bed every night. But Oh, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, which is kind of cool. I didn't even think about that. But, yeah, which is cool. But, no, we love- I wanted to be a rugby league player. I wanted to be Jamie Soward and Ben Hornby. So. Well, this is where we were going into. Your, 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 your background is very much rugby league, isn't mm. it? It wasn't until yeah. late high school that you got into rugby. Yeah, so we only had rugby league um, back in yeah. Lightning Ridge, and we'd play the four teams: Dirrambandi, Mungandai, St George, and and us Lightning Ridge. Oh, um, wow. And actually, yeah. we were actually in the Queensland comp because we were so close to the Queensland border. Oh, Lightning yeah, Ridge is, right. Lightning Ridge is literally forty minutes from the Queensland yes, border. Yes, true. So um, yeah, we're in the QRL comp, which 
yeah, it was a great little comp growing up there. So, yeah, very much rugby league focus. And Dad always said if you didn't support the Dragons, you can live somewhere else. <laughs> so, yeah, diehard St. George fan and, yeah. that's how There you go. And so it was it was the Rio Olympics. Yeah, yeah, 2016. Yeah, I remember watching it at school. I had to watch it on my phone because my school wasn't very sporty. It was more like academics and drama and music and I was a bit of the odd one out, always running off to Sydney for training and things like that. But, um, yeah, I remember watching and, it on my school, phone. And school is actually in the Southern Highlands, isn't it? Yeah, but um, yes. Mittagong, French. And, yes. Yeah, so yeah. I got sent away to boarding school, shipped off there and, um, yeah, picked up rugby sevens. I think I started playing down in Wollongong. Um, my first coach's name was Ron Davies and his daughter, Keely Davies, is um, – a rugby league player like for the blues and I think yeah, she's right. with the signed with the sharks I'm yeah, not sure right. what NRLW yeah. team she plays for but yeah so her dad kind of found me and put me into sevens and yeah haven't really looked back and the rest as they say is history yeah history well not sevens for me because learnt very quickly that is not the not the sport for me well and but. I and I loved and I loved your explanation about this and Harry and I have read the same article your oh, explanation but, for not going into sevens yeah <laughs> I prefer going to the pub yeah I don't think my mother is <laughs> Coaches or rugby show staff would be too pleased with, with hearing that, but got to do what you got to do, I guess. <laughs> and you and your re, and your reasoning being that that sevens players are super fit. Oh, they're, 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 their motor is huge, and so you figured, yeah. no, no, I like the idea of club footy <laughs> and going for a beer afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So fifteen. Well, you can look at the shape of the players. It's like they're they're five kilograms on average lighter. Yeah. 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 Yeah, those are some phenomenal athletes, especially the Aussie women's team. They're they're yeah, unreal. They are going so, right. It's it's like you were it's like you're old before your time with an yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So so talk to us about um like you've said that you said the the premiership is is the best competition in the world, as you as you say. Mm-hmm. Tell us more about the, the comparison. You spent a bit of time in New Zealand. You didn't get to play yeah. much in, in Orpiki last year, but yeah. Super W or Peaky, where does it all stand in, in, in relation to the Premiership? Um, I would say, like, a, a good game here is, like, um, a Reds versus Waratahs maybe this year right. game. Yep. Because, pre- like, previous years we would dominate the Reds, like, yep. except for the first year. So, I don't know. They always say that, like, the gap's closing in Super W, and which it is. Like, the level is mm. getting better, but it's not at the same time. Yep. Like, Waratahs still mean. beat the force 40-something to nil. Yeah, like how is that a good game of rugby? Like I don't know. It's just, yeah, it is a good comp, and I understand what like rugby Australia are trying to do and everything. Yep. And eventually, um, merging it with Super Rugby Opeki, I think, will be the best thing. And then they'll have to professionalize yep. Super W more. But yep. this year's the first year the Super W girls are getting paid, and it is like the sixth year of its competition. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. And it yep. was also like the first um, like domestic women's competition that. Um, was like oh, I can't remember the word, but basically it's been around for longer than NRLW. Yeah. It's like True. that, and it's the professionalism is just not where it should be for the girls. Yeah, um, it's like Australia has so much talent and such good rugby players. It's just getting them the right coaching, like that level yeah. of professionalism, game time. Like you literally can't beat having time together as a team. Like mm. Wallaroos, for instance, we played our best rugby at the end of the tournament, which is yeah. just like annoying because you yeah, should play yeah. consistent from the start but yeah it is in the right trajectory as i do mm. think well, it's, well. it's it's kind of a chicken egg thing too you know i was in adelaide mm. to watch the the men's match and before that you know i got to watch wallaroos play new mm. zealand 
and just being in a stadium with that many people, it lifted the standard of the of play. And yeah, so definitely. I'm sure it's about, you know, trying to find an entertainment vehicle that people really want to be at and stay with. And maybe it's connecting more with the men's game as well and not thinking of it as two different things. I'm not sure. Yeah. 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 And, and I think we see that at the moment, Bella, like the, the, the Rebels and the Force and the Brumbies actually are really big on this whole mentality of one club, two teams. And, yeah. and I think that's probably what lifts the standards for the women's game ultimately. Yeah, definitely. Um, like uh, the force beating Jura la- like last weekend, like on the yeah. weekend. Yeah. Like that's just unheard of. So it is improving and and the comp is growing. Yeah. Yeah. I would say. No but yeah, probably and, not at the level as it should be. Yeah. Well, the investment isn't there, unfortunately. Yeah. And you look no. at, you mentioned talent numbers, how many, mm. how many rugby players there are playing NRLW, playing yeah. AFLW. Yeah, yeah, all the so, best NRLW players are ex-rugby players. So, yeah, like Emma Tonegado, yeah. Millie Boyle, Joint Dahlia yeah. medalists, yeah, rugby, absolutely. rugby sevens. So, and so Emma Tonegado just girls. killed it. As soon as she stepped onto, a, onto yeah. an NRLW field, she was just killing it from the start. Is it um is it your intent? Like when are you when are you back back home? You're back for the international season, obviously. You won't get home for Super W end of Super W? No, so I'm not allowed to play Super W because if I go home right. and play Super W, I can't play the rest of um, this comp, which is kind of annoying oh, because yeah, sure. it, it is in a perfect um, international yeah. play window, but because you got you're not on international duty, so yeah, I would be breaking my contract, and um, I just thought it's it's well, I just want to finish out the season here yeah. and pending finals and things like that. So um, yeah, we've got a few more games, I think five more rounds, and then finals and. Um, yeah, hopefully grand final. So could be back mid June, could be back early July, depending on. Yeah, finals. and and you've got a and there's actually a really a really really fascinating international schedule set up for you this year. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, with the new World XV, so we'll play Pack Four. Mm. Hopefully, um, be like one or two, and then go into World XV one. So we get to verse the top six nations teams, yeah. um, which would be like unreal and yeah, such a cool experience. Rugby on the Raw. You were talking about um, the kicking in where you're playing now and the differences uh, yeah. and taking it back to the into the test arena. I did seem to me when I watched the women's games that the teams that knew how to kick, when to kick and could kick better were mm. really the ones that stood out on the top level. Um, you know, it's it's tempting just to do phases, but at some point it's very difficult to, you know, to score from phases from the, from yeah. the middle of a pitch. So what have you picked up now on the value and how to kick and the positioning? Yeah, definitely. Um, Sione, our Wallaroos attack coach, was always harping on to me about the three-phase rule. Um, mm. If you're not over halfway after three phases, sort of look to kick it. I sort of um, just not not ignored him but was like, oh, like we've got such good backs, let's just run it out of here. But obviously, <laughs> <laughs> obviously as you like the game management sort of thing comes into it, over here, I've just definitely learned to get rid of the thing after three phases, like it, whether put in a contestable or a, um, like try and find grass. So, um, which is yeah, maybe definitely, part definitely of your understand. Lead. Yeah, your yeah, break yeah, yeah. Kicks in there. Yeah, yeah literally five tackles. <laughs> kick, kick, it, kick on the fifth. Corner. Yeah, yeah, literally. So, um, yeah, definitely, um, it's helped with that the game management sort of thing, and just like the variety of kick, whether you want to put in, like you're not right. just kicking it for the sake of kicking it, um, which I think yeah. a lot of teams just do because. They're like, oh, we got to kick it now. Mm. But it's like you're either going to put a box kick in or a contestable bomb, find the middle of the grass, put a little mm. like grubber in, little chip. Yeah, just depending on the style of kick and um, mm. things like that. 
what's the what's the current state of play around the, the the club game, the club scene going professional? And and you've mentioned we've mentioned Australia, New Zealand already, but what's where does it feel like things are going in in, in the UK and, and in France? Oh, definitely on the up. Um, the England yeah. Red Roses have already been professional for three or four years. Um, I'm pretty sure the French team as well. Um, yeah, but even over here, the Six Nations comp, like there is still such a gap, like between England and Scotland and Ireland and Wales. Um, like England yeah. and France are definitely a level above, and you and it's very clear to see. Yeah. Um, like you can see why this Prem comp is the best comp because yeah, all the best players are playing here. So, um, yeah, it is on the up, but I think it's just the different unions needing to back their countries more. And well. and that would be because like Wales have gone full time pro for their international squad, but that's only yeah. just happened at World Cup, hasn't it? So they yeah. haven't really had the, had the full effect of that yet. Same with Scotland and um, Ireland, yeah. but like Fr- France and England are already two or three years ahead. So they have been. Yeah, I'm sure exactly in right. another yeah three to four years. Um, Scotland, like Wales, you saw, like, I don't know if you watched the Wales-England game, but mm. the first 40 was, like, such a close contest. But obviously yeah. England England are going to dominate that last 40 just because of They're how many caps they have together. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have that that time together that, you know, the Welsh, Welsh didn't. But, yeah, next three or four years, I think the um, Northern Hemisphere rugby will be, like, mm. unreal. So. And, and is, there a, is there going to be a move toward European-style like, like are, we, are we going to get to a Champions Cup type competition for for, for um, the women's competitions over there? I'm not too sure. Pro- I know probably not. Definitely be, probably not full time pro. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Before, um, like when Harlequins and all of this goes pro, I'm sure they'll they'll look to be um, doing that. Like it'd be cool to versus a France team, and um, but like you know, Scotland and Wales don't really have a a league as yes. strong as Prem, so a lot of their girls actually play in the Prem 15s. Yeah, I would say most yeah. of their internationals play in the Prem 15s. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, until until all the leagues, I guess, have that level of mm. professionalism like the Prem 15, I can't see it. So like the, the way things are at the moment with, with lots of semi-professional competitions, does that actually mean you can pick and choose your competitions a little bit? Because at the moment, you're like, Orpiki and Super W don't overlap at the moment. Um, you mm. could potentially play, you know, a, a little bit of North and South in the same year. You, then you've got your international years. You can actually piece together a a fairly full schedule for for a 12-month period if you wanted to. Yeah, definitely. I think that like coming over here is one of the draw cards that I could be a professional athlete for six months or eight months, however long I've been here, and then go back to Oz and play the whole international season. Um, But I think as like the years go on and they invest more into Super W and Super Rugby OPECI, it'll become a longer competition and it'll be something that girls want to stay home and play because it is a longer competition. Like I don't want to... Like I did want to move overseas for the experience and just to say that I've lived overseas and, and like had a gap year sort of thing. Um, and just <laughs> being a professional, yeah, <laughs> year, being a professional athlete, which I'd never um, been before. But, yeah, like obviously want to come home and Waratahs is, is my home and, yeah. and it's all I've kind of known since I was 18. So to get out of my comfort what's, zone as well. Is, what, is what's, what's the right amount of games per season, you think, for your body? And I think... I think it's probably like 20 because I'm getting a bit niggly, but I'm also just not used to the amount of rugby and training that we're doing. So like this break couldn't have come soon enough for me, to be honest, because I did have a hectic year last year and then I literally had 10 days off and then I didn't play the first round of, of Prem and I've played every single round since and basically every single minute. So 
um, yeah, body's a bit not worse for wear, but it's getting used to the intensity and the training mm -hmm. and the full time full time athlete, I guess. So yeah, I, I can definitely see why England are so good. Like they play such consistent rugby like throughout the year yeah, and then they yeah. go straight into internationals. Whereas Super W, they'll our comp will still be going when Super W's finished. And then England yeah. have a break and then into internationals again. Whereas Oz, we have like five weeks off. Oh, there's a test match and then five weeks off and then yes. another test match. So I guess it's just yeah, finding that. And and if you balance. play a full Super W, so even even if you even if if some of the girls have and I, and I know a few did go to New Zealand and play, mm. even if they play the yeah. full or peaky season, the full Super W season, and then play every test, they yeah. still wouldn't have played twenty games. I no, imagine. I don't. I don't think so. They probably get yeah. to about fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. So. No, we had uh, Sarah Naikama on last season. Yeah, she, yeah. She yeah, told us great. that you had amazing schooner skills in the bar and that you were the best dancer and that you were <laughs> a real kind of what's what what can she we what, what can you tell us about her? Sarah, she's the biggest carry on you ever meet. Um honestly, don't get stuck with her in a night out. She'll take you on a goose chase. She'll go to karaoke <laughs> and then she'll end she'll end up at some random bar with with Fijians dancing and Fijian music, which is crazy. Um that's what she did to a few of the girls in New Zealand, but um, no, she's a good egg. She's amazing. Love it. Biggest yeah, carry on. I bumped into her uh, before a game only about two weeks ago. It was it was great to oh, catch yeah, up with yeah. her again. She's she's good. How yeah, much how much how much interaction do you get with the with the Queens men's squads? Is there, is it is there that uh, same sort of mentality? Uh, not really. It's a bit different. Yeah. There's it's two separate programs, um, yeah. which I guess is like like every every setup, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah, we haven't had too much to do with the men's because they're like in season as well and yeah. their season hasn't been going the greatest. So, um, yeah, every time I, I mean, I say hi to a few of the boys when I'm walking around, but other than that, there's not much crossover because we are in, yeah. in the afternoons when they've kind of finished. So, uh, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, cause we aren't professional. We still have girls that work nine to five yeah. and then come into training. So it's definitely still got that. Um, yeah, semi-professionalism vibe, and it, and is that pretty much shared across all ten or twelve clubs that you you're yeah. pretty well semi-pro? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'd say every club there's probably five internationals that are full time, except for yeah. like Sa Saracens or or us that have you know eight or nine internationals yeah. that are full time. And, and what's been the impact on the women's game since that Rugby World Cup tournament last year, which was fantastic? Like it, it for. For what was it? Three or four weeks, particularly through the finals and all that. Uh, women's Test match rugby was front and center, and everyone yeah. was watching it. Are you ready for yeah. it or not? So what's the yeah. flow on being for you? Oh, like unreal! We get so many little girls turning up to our home games at the stoop, um, like just there oh, to watch so us, cool. like a standalone game, which is cool, and like wanting our autographs and not there because it's a double header with the men's. They're purely there just to watch us play, um, and you know the um, England France game. Um, the last game of the Six Nations, it's like 40,000 at Twitter. Yes. Something yeah. insane like that, which is just crazy to think about. And I think it's actually going to outsell Eden Park. So more people than a Rugby World Cup final, which yeah. will be crazy. And I think it's also following on from the um, Euros over here. Yeah. The the soccer. So England at Wembley had like 80,000. 85,000 at the final. Yeah, 85,000 yeah. at, at Wembley. So sport in the UK, especially for um, females, it's just like, thriving which is yeah it's pretty cool to be in and be a part of but um yeah yeah what's what's on the what's on the radar you do you do you see a sevens future is is nrlw <laughs> going to be a tempter i just think i want to come home 
go to the Walgett Sporto, have a three three lamb cutlets with some chips and gravy and a schooner of Northern. That sounds nice to me. Oh, wow. but, um, no, I, I'm looking forward to getting home and, um, yeah, catching up with my friends and family. It's been not hard, but I definitely am a home girl. I'm a bit homesick. But, yeah, yeah. this year, um, end of the year with the internationals, hopefully, and the World XV in October, November, and then um, kind of reassess from there what I want to yeah. do for 2024. But um, Waratah Blue is looking very nice, I will say. Yeah, look, it's yeah. been it's been fantastic to to speak to you. We I, I said to you about half an hour or so, and it's just whipped through so <laughs> so quickly. We've really really enjoyed it. Thanks so much for finding a bit of time. Enjoy you know, these next few weeks of, of time off, and you know just just finish the season on top like you have been. Yeah, thanks so much, Brett. Thanks, Harry. Yeah, nice go to, Red to you guys. Yeah, yeah, go to the Red, go Red That's it. <laughs> the roar. Harry, fantastic to, to speak to, to Bella McKenzie. She's um, going to certainly keep an eye on how she finishes the season for Queens, and she's just such a star on the rise. She's going to be such a such an improved player for the Wallaroos when she gets home again. Putting Lightning Ridge on the map. No, I think she's uh, <laughs> she's very she's a very candid person, and uh, I, I found it was really engaging. And, and we yeah. had a great. I, I think it was funny. We always had this plan: we're going to do this short, sharp thing, and then someone comes on like. Like her, and it's like it just we can blows us away. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. No, she was she was absolutely fantastic. Uh, we mentioned uh, the storm is going down to Munster in the URC, and there's have been a few interesting little results there on the weekend. Just gone, wasn't there? So the, you know, the Sharks had a pretty decent win over Benetton. Glasgow got up over Scarlets. Um, Ulster are did, up into second now. Sorry. So you, you love stats. Did you know that Glasgow had not attempted a penalty goal in 2023? Is that right? I yeah, do love a stat like that. literally have not taken a shot at goals. I do uh, love in a stat like that. Interesting. There was a, there was a period here, I want to go back to, might be Christian Liliofano's last season with the Brumbies. So probably going back to maybe 2019 it might have been the brumbies didn't have a shot at penalty goal like not even an attempt mm-hmm. until about round 12 or 13 and like and they were so far behind the rest of the competition it was it was it wasn't funny but it was like they just went we're not going to worry about penalties. We are just going to back our more yeah, particularly. It was, it was probably working for them. I don't know if it's working. For At them. the time, it was working quite well. We'll just kick for the corner and more in it, more are in. So no. Yeah. So the so Stormer, that... Stormers Munster match was actually pretty interesting. Obviously, it was it was not fun for me, but um, yeah. the, the final round sets up the Ulster Stormers um, thing, you know, nicely for the Stormers. But it came down to I think uh, Snaeman played really well. For Munster, and they were really yeah. hard on the breakdown, and some of the scrum superiority was negated by the pitch. But in the end, it comes back to that sort of test mentality, and because um, um, Mighty Lubbock's been talked yeah. up as a possible ten, but you have to make your kicks to be an international ten, and you have to do it on Didn't the hot stage have a great day with in the big team. moment. Yeah, yeah. I was straight; at, they were yeah. straight in front of the poles, so these are two easy kicks he missed. Hit the post with one and missed another mm. one, didn't he? So that's he, that's he not Bowden, good. He Bowden barreted it. Yeah. Yeah, right. So the table now, as it stands, Leinster are 15 points clear of Ulster sure. in second. Yeah. And then Ulster, Stormers, Glasgow, Munster, there's that's there's 10 points covering those four teams. Uh, and then mm-hmm. Connaught and the Bulls are another couple of points back from that. So it's going to make things pretty interesting for the last couple of playoff places. 
if you want to look at so Andy, Andy, who was on our pod, Andy, Andy McGeady, yeah, has McGeady done a fantastic a, analysis. Yeah, on the USC website on the permutations, just go look at him and he'll keep you up to date. Uh, another friend of the pod, Rian Lowe, was uh, talking a big game about the Lions versus Leinster, but the Leinster lads came, the little boys came and won in Joburg. And it just makes you think the center of rugby right now at this moment is in Ireland. They're playing such yeah. good rugby in their provinces. Yeah. They're thinking so well. Their backs seem to be so lethal in every level. So, yeah, it's setting up very yeah. nicely for the story of, you know, maybe this is Ireland's year. I don't know. Yeah. So Munster now, with that win, they jumped up to fifth. Um, mm -hmm. And they, are, I think, I think only need to beat Edinburgh. Oh, sorry, that's Ulster's game, beg your pardon. Uh, Munster are playing the Sharks in Durban, aren't they, at Kings Park. Yeah. So. If they do, they only need a point, or do they need a win to secure a Champions Cup? Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna. I'm gonna go to Andy's uh, yeah. blogs and see and see what he's saying. But I think there's a lot of different permutations. Oh, there are odd, odd ones. Yeah, they are. And, and honestly, if you want to know what needs to play out in the last round of the URC, absolutely go to Andy McGeady's socials or go to the URC website, UnitedRugby.com, um, and Andy's excellent final rounds analysis is there and it is yeah, the absolutely UFC does, worth. doesn't even know what's going to happen so they, they asked andy hey andy can you tell us what's going to happen so yeah andy's, yeah I, andy's the man i saw his uh i saw it when it first came out and i just sent him a message saying this seems like the sort of job that you've done so that no one else has to and he says i gave myself so many headaches doing this and but the level of detail he's gone to is just absolutely incredible so it's absolutely worth uh absolutely worth checking out um a little bit going on in japan as well um as i as i bring my my little app page up here i can tell you panasonic had their first loss in might be six or seven rounds uh and that has made things very very interesting in the uh, in the league one so they went down 45 44 25 to the shizuoka blue revs um, and that now means that on the table um, and Centauri beat Cannon, that's third against fourth, only by two points, 11-9 it was. So it means now all of a sudden uh, Panasonic, Saitama Wild Knights, are only one point clear of, of Kubota Spears, which is Bernard Foley's team. They're in, um, so that's first and second. Centauri's six points clear of Cannon, uh, third to fourth. And there's a little bit going on uh, down the bottom end too around, um, around the, the promotion relegation uh type mm. things as well what, so what, what about the black and pans are they doing okay in that <laughs> <laughs> uh no i'm not sure which division the black and tans are in I'm, a, I'm afraid to say uh the top 14 on the weekend i think that all went pretty well according to plan toulouse is still six points clear la rochelle then five points clear of, of start in in third uh toulon leon racing Somewhere yeah, top, uh, top six there. It seems like across the whole rugby world, the tiers have now been clearly established in every comp. You know, you have yeah, sort it sort of feels like that. Front runners. It's, it's and it's really difficult for someone a team right now. It's you know below yeah. that cut line to to go up. You know that's why the Waratahs and that whole discussion is interesting because that's where I think you could still see a little bit of action. You could, yeah. Um, well, and we'll we'll come on we'll come on yeah. to Super Rugby in a second. I just wanted to mention Major League Rugby in the states because uh, in the uh, in the Eastern Conference, New England are nine points clear on the uh, mm. of of, uh, of, New, of New York. Um, they had a they had a big win, eighty points to five over Toronto. It was the first time an MLR team had, had reached eighty on the scoreboard, so that was 
that was prominent for that. But in the other conference, in the in the Western Conference, San Diego had a 48-24 win over Chicago. Um, so they're now four points clear in the Western Conference. But I mentioned this, the San Diego Legion. We we have we have friends of the pod and we name drop most episodes now. We've done it about four times in this episode alone. Here's here's a new concept for you. Sons of the pod. Ooh. On the bench of the San Diego Legion on the weekend, playing against the Chicago Hounds, were Alex Horan and Ooh. Finn Kearns. Nice. Sons of the pod, if you don't know. <laughs> Sons of the pod. So Alex Alex Horan would be somewhat known. He's played Super Rugby for play for for the Sunwolves, um, mm-hmm. but came through the Queensland system. Played NRC for Canberra as well as um, as well as Brisbane City. Finn Kearns is only fresh out of Colts in uh, in in Sydney for, for Randwick, and so he's only you know, maybe twenty twenty one. So he's literally over in the states having his first uh, overseas rugby adventure. I mean the Kearns the Kearns family must be some kind of athletic uh, dynamo. I think yeah. the, his daughter daughter is a very good water polo, water polo player. player. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. I National think you're right. level, yeah, yeah, yeah. It must be something in the genes there. So, uh, Super W, some really interesting results on the weekend. I mentioned uh, I caught the tail end of the uh, uh, the Brumbies beating the Melbourne Rebels thirty points to twenty three. The Rebels led that with about 12 minutes to go. And it was just one of the best finishes to a game I've seen, you know, maybe certainly this year. It was just a cracking contest. And and it actually sets things up nicely now because the force beat the Fijiana Drua 23-10, as, um, as, as Bella mentioned earlier. And then the Waratahs beat Queensland 31-30. And so on the table right now, you have the Waratahs on 19 points ahead of Queensland on 15. But then the Fijiana are on nine, the Force are on eight, and the Brumbies women are on six. And that's less than a win between third and mm-hmm. fifth. And and the Rebels women are winless at this point, but they have played a lot better than their table position currently shows. So um, the Super W competition is absolutely kicking along beautifully this year. So we'll, we'll be, be really intrigued to see how that plays out. Super Rugby Pacific round nine this weekend. Um, this will be the last of the buy rounds, um, and and then we're into it into the run home. So the Chiefs playing the Fiji Drua in Hamilton on Friday, uh, Friday evening Australian time. Then the Melbourne Rebels hosting the Crusaders uh, on seven thirty five Friday night. The Blues hosting the Waratahs in Auckland on Saturday, and then that's followed by the Western Force and the Highlanders over in Perth. But the table is interesting mate because the the top five teams um you know the chiefs brumbies hurricanes crusaders they're now six points clear of the next group of teams which is the reds highlanders drua waratahs and they're only separated by two points Mm -hmm. so and you could throw the rebels probably in there as well um and you know this this run home is going to be really interesting because i think we can see some top four movement and probably some bottom four movement in there as well. And it's going to go down right down to the wire, which is the whole point of this eight-team finals competition. Yeah, and I would recommend anyone to go on your socials and check out your latest uh, spate of spreadsheets. <laughs> it's uh, National yeah. Annual Spreadsheet Day on, on yeah. UK's uh, socials. But, you know, it's an interesting subplot here. You know, um, Arabella's cousin, Damien McKenzie, 
uh, would be, <laughs> as <laughs> Jamie Wall says, uh, actually be cousins. Yeah, some, some distant cousins. Maybe. But, um, yeah, he, he would be all black ten if on form, as Jamie said. Yeah. I think that's clear. I think um, that's true. You know, you, you look at some of these games, and you know the Reds very few penalties, which is probably a welcome sight for Wallaby fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eighteen and Reds coaches, teams, right? And then, um, <laughs> and then the Brumbies, I think, very few missed tackles, and that's good when you're playing yeah. against a, a team like that. Brumbies really had to be on on. Um, not so sure about the honey badger status of um, O'Donnell because I think <laughs> ben Jeff, O'Donnell. Our, our friend Jeff Parks did say that he was the new honey, honey badger, but he did have a very kind of ma- manic running style. Oh yeah, like, he looks like he's deceptively slow. Like he's like he he looks yeah. like he should be burning everyone, but actually there's always someone in the picture. So he's kind of this yeah. lucky but- wing. I love that kind of guy. So he, he looks slow, but is quick, but doesn't look like he's moving, if that makes <laughs> right. sense. It's like, it's like a lot of wasted motion. Everything's <laughs> going on. Like his hair yeah. is biting his uh, hand. Oh, I don't know. And look, he had he had an incredible weekend. He he should have had a hat-trick inside 12 minutes last week. Yeah. It was an incredible start yeah. to the game. It really was. And really had, was. Um, I think Jake Gordon and Izzy Perez, he said hello. Um, you know, and they're yeah. in the Tars win. So there's some stuff going on for Wallaby. There's some Watch. things happening there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And look, I'll 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 tease my uh, my column on the Raw coming out Tuesday. I've just sort of it's become really apparent to me that the good teams have really good 10, 15 combinations. And the teams that are trailing maybe haven't quite nailed that down. And there's a few little caveats and variations there, but I, I think there is the, the gap between the top five and the next group of teams isn't just points, like, like competition points. Like there's a difference in game style as well. So check that mm-hmm. out on the, on the raw.com.au. Um, you've got a couple of columns coming up this week as well because you're prolific and you can't help yourself. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing sort of a position by position, trying to yeah. you know bring a little bit of um, you know humor to the debate but we're gonna we're gonna talk about loose heads so you know this is always one of my favorite positions because i think loose yeah. head props are really interesting cats it's usually the... very smart and very strange and usually some of the you know the the biggest comedians on the bus <laughs> and the best ball runners as james slipper is just showing <laughs> right. every week every week uh a heap of news i've got so much news for you right now um i didn't actually intend to have this much but here we go i'll, I'll try and rip through this Island fly half uh, Johnny Sexton has almost certainly we has played his last game for for Leinster. He confirmed as much uh, late last week that he won't be playing their, mm. their remaining URC games or their run home in the Champions Cup um, due to that dro- uh, groin injury he picked up at the end of the Six Nations. Uh, French outlet Midi Olympique last week, last Tuesday, in fact, reported that World Rugby head of referees Jean Jouch has confirmed that they are considering the Super Rugby Pacific yellow card foul play review system for the World Cup this year. And this is, I think this is huge news. They want to do further testing during the rugby championship. And then he said that referees could potentially show a different colour card and refer incidents to a, to a bunker type thing for a review. And and there's certainly talk about a world a rugby World Cup bunker. but the, And his quote, Makes sense right up into a point. He says, in the event of a 50-50 decision, the referee has the possibility of giving a yellow card so that the game can resume as soon as possible with the TMO taking another 10 minutes or so um, of that temporary expulsion to decide whether it should be turned into a permanent expulsion, uh, we, which is fine. All of that makes sense and pretty much follows what's happening in Super Rugby Pacific. But then he says, 
we would give orange cards clearly. And I don't get this. I don't get the purpose of the orange card. Like surely if you're having a review and the TMO can just say, yeah, that yellow we gave 10 minutes ago, that's now permanent red. And well, yeah, referee on for, the field just shows a red card and that's that. First of all, Midi is always right. The reportage is always perfect. So we should go exactly. to the bank on that. Second, the French love colors. So the orange card, next we're going to have the tangerine card and there's going to be a teal card. Just, don't worry I about just, it. I just don't, I don't get what, I, I don't get the need for a third card. I, like the, <laughs> the process in, in Super Rugby actually works well. As soon as they reach it, we, we discussed this last week. Is it a yellow card threshold? Yep, good. Okay, here it is. Off you go, TMO. Do your business. Of, and then we saw it last rush, week. The head of ref should not be French. I'm telling you, they love to overcomplicate things. Yeah. If you're going to have a head of ref, that should be German or something like that. You know, <laughs> be done with it. <laughs> Simple. Or, you know, or, or probably the South African director of, of rugby. Um, Rico Iwane <laughs> and Sami Sony Takiaho have both put pen to paper on new deals that will keep them in New Zealand through to the 2027 World Cup. So now we're starting to see the four year deals float through for the young players and I, I suspect that we'll start seeing them in Australia as well. Ireland uh, announced over the weekend that they will be awarding caps to 12 players who were not recognised at the time of their participation because back then the games they played in weren't regarded as international test matches. And among the 12 players is one Frank O'Driscoll, cool. father of Brian. So they'll, um, they, Ireland have said they won't be retrospectively numbered, so to speak. So they're just going to be the next 12 numbers. And I think they're in the 1140s or something like that. So um, they'll be denoted as such. And, and when they played their Ireland tests as it is, and they are now full Irish internationals, which is long overdue, obviously, but I think important recognition for the families, I, I would suggest. It's kind of cool that his name, Frank, makes him father Oh, Fod. Fod. The Fod of Bob. Yeah. I wonder if Frank's mates call him Fob, father of Brian. <laughs> <laughs> they probably do. You mentioned uh, Jacques Nibiner is heading to, to Leinster after the Rugby World Cup. He's um, going over there to join uh, to, as senior coach, replacing another friend of the pod, Stuart Lancaster, who's heading to France, Boom. Racing 92. Also on the coaching front was announced on Monday that former Wallabies and Brumbies flanker Scott Fardy uh, has been confirmed as Connaught's new defence coach for the next two seasons. He's been coaching with Warringah in Sydney and also the um, NEC Green Rockets. Since I think, so just, just to backtrack on Nina Arbor, I think Nina Arbor joining Leinster, which is basically Ireland, right before the pool matches of a World Cup, is like the Duke of Wellington joining Napoleon and opening up a bar <laughs> called the Waterloo Pub before <laughs> they fight the war. That's yeah. It's, I'll see myself out it's, it's after the World Cup, though, isn't it? It is after the World still, Cup. But still talking about it is weird. Like, yeah, like in his brain, weird. is he also thinking a little bit about, oh, my job at Leinster. Yeah. Up. Look yeah, at these guys. Yeah. yeah. And the last piece of news there is that Rugby Australia and the British and Irish Lions uh, on Monday night have announced a joint venture for the 2025 tour, very much in line with what happened in South Africa in 2019. And it basically means that they will pool their commercial offerings and we'll try and sell it all as a, as a job lot um, for, and, and improved earnings across the board. But it also means there'll be coordination around things like um, digital content, social media and all that sort of stuff as well. And so that worked pretty well from all reports out South, South African tour, even without the traveling spectators and things like that. So you can imagine what that's going to be like um, in Australia in a couple of years time. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's yeah. going to be huge. I yeah, think Australia I think so. knows knows how to really blow out an event, so this is going to be. Uh, yeah. uh look, I, I've still got memories of the 2013 tour that are uh, as vivid like they happened two weeks ago. So I, I'm really looking forward to to that coming back here in two years' time. On the tipping front, mate, um, I've got to tell you, I've caught the leaders with another tipping, nice. another perfect card in the raw tipping. That's back Thursday. You, my friend, trail us. Us, we leaders, by six. You are in a world of trouble. all part of the plan. Don't worry. You're not making up six points in the remaining six rounds. There there is a a suggestion. Media Olympic has been reporting on this suggestion (laughs) that each round now doubles in value. (laughs) No, as as someone who has run in your position for too many seasons (laughs) to count, that's not going to (laughs) happen. Uh, Bernard Jackman update. Uh, can we keep going on about this? But it's just, it is blowing our mind. Birch. Bernard Jackman is now our most downloaded weekly podcast. It's only the emergency Eddie Jones episode in mid January and also the Matthew Renal instant reaction from last year's Melbourne Bledisloe that top him. But so Bernard Jackman is on the par with Eddie Jones in pulling media. That's amazing. It's it's quite incredible. So and, and and his numbers just keep going up. So again, wherever you've listened to us, um, uh, and that episode and all subsequent episodes, thank you so much. It's been great to have you on, particularly if you've joined us uh, late in the piece, uh, and it's just incredible. And we thank uh, thank Bernard very much for the time he gave us. But mate, that is us done for episode fifty eight of the Raw Rugby Podcast. Don't forget Harry and I are both on the socials, uh, and please do leave us a rating or review if your pod platform allows it don't forget to like follow subscribe as well and that'll make sure that you see every new episode as soon as it goes live it's the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate the home of all your favorite rugby analysis opinions and conversations thanks for listening we'll be back in your ears next week Come, comma, play with us. I'm playing with a new thing. <laughs> <laughs>